Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at ProvidenceCrier.com, or excuse me, at Providence Crier. And read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com. With me, as always, we have BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Thursday, January 6th. And all right, BOC, uh, this episode, I think, was coming at some point. But, um, you know, we're recording off off a big-time PCL here, dropping one to Marquette. Uh, what were your opening thoughts? So we knew <laughs> we knew this type of game was going to come eventually, right? But I thought it would be of the... 15 point loss, not the 32 point, 32 point loss to an eight and six, now nine and six Marquette team there. I guess if you're going to lose, you might as well lose bad. Um, we, we've been saying pretty consistently road games are going to be hard to come by and hard to get wins. So, you know, we already have two of those in the Big East, which is fantastic. Um, Marquette was, you know, previously had lost three Big East games in a row. They came in and they were absolutely the hungrier team from the onset. They wanted to win more. They played harder. They were, you know, they performed better. They were more effective. Every single metric you can throw out there, Marquette was better than us. So at some point you have to just tip your hat and say, okay, let's get, forget about this game, burn the tapes, as you said, let's just move on to the next one. And I think that's the approach you have to take while also realizing we're not, you know, we're not a Baylor or a Gonzaga. You can't just show up and expect because we had a 13-1 record, we're going to go in and beat a team that was, uh, you know, at the bottom of the Big East. I don't know how long it'll be there, but you can't just show up and expect to win. And I hope that's one of the main teaching points with Coolidge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I did predict a loss in, in the uh, preview write-up. I did not think it would be by 32 points. I mean, that's... That's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think I think everyone wants to say the defense, right? They give up 88 points to Marquette. They had been on a roll defensively. Um, you know, pick and roll defense was just awful that game. And Marquette kept going to the well, kept going to the well. Um, guys didn't know if they should stay on their, the big or, or come up and, and try and trap. Uh, the uh, Kolik a lot of times, and, mm-hmm. you know, the defense was certainly bad, um, but I think the offense definitely played a role in this, right? Definitely. Know, the game starts. PC, you know, we knew Marquette was going to be desperate. Four straight losses, 0-3 in the Big East. Um, you knew Shaka Smart 
in his group were going to be better than better than that, right? So I knew they were going to come out desperate, and they did. Uh, they built a quick 12-point lead. It was, I believe it was uh, 22 to 10, right? In the first half, Cooley yep, calls yep. timeout. Um, you know, we, I was under the impression, okay, this Marquette team is young, right? Granted, they have more sell. He's like the only adult in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I thought with our veteran group, we'd come back. And sure enough, they showed that out of the timeout. Don't on an 8-0 run, chopping the thing to four. But then quickly, Shaka goes for a quick 30-second timeout. I don't know what was said in that timeout, but holy smokes. Uh, Marquette ends up going on a 20-0 run. And I think it was like 22-4 to four to end up closing the half. Just brutal. Like, I, I did not see that part coming. <laughs> no. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, everybody – we so we 13 and one we built it around our defensive efficiency and how we've kind of made teams just really struggle on offense the thing winning masks a lot of things and I think what winning had masked and we looked at it in the article we wrote about like the statistics is that even in the 13-1 start we've been very 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 mediocre on the offensive end um but the fact that we were playing amazing defensive ball helped us win win those games so I think a lot of the warts were shown in the game against Marquette specifically on the offensive end losing having Reeves not playing certainly didn't help but you're right we started the game like Bynum just dribbles it out of bounds and then Horkler has that the pump fake and weird turnover which leads to a basket so as much as it was on the defensive end and like a lack of communication it was it was an it was all around. It wasn't just defense. It was offense as well. It just wasn't a good performance in any facet of the game. So I think, yeah, the defense let us down, but it's also, it's also hard to, it's also hard to play good defense when you have 10 first half turnovers. So it's a little bit of the chicken or the egg. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, I think their offense, it just wasn't this bad. Right. And when it is this bad, when you shoot, um, let me pull up the numbers here, 33% from the floor, 26% from three, and even 65% from the line, uh, yeah. those shooting splits are terrible. And you make misses. The other team starts to make some shots. Marquette, not a good offensive team overall this year. Um, mm. They've struggled with the three. And they were hitting threes left and right last night. They went 10 of 23. Uh, I just think it had such a snowball effect on the def- defensive end of the things. Uh, uh, you couldn't score, thus Marquette's getting out in transition, starting to hit some shots, feeling good about themselves, and it all snowballed out of control from there, in my opinion. Um, I don't have the exact numbers on the scoring droughts, but PC had like two massive ones in the first half <clears throat> alone. Um, turnovers, as you mentioned, played a role in that. They had 10 turnovers in the first half. You just can't do something like that and expect to come out uh, with a win on the road in the Big East. You, you just can't do it. Um, looking at the box score, you know, only two guys really stood out. That would be Al Durham and Ed Crosswell. Durham with 16 points, um, Crosswell with 11.7 rebounds and five of six shooting. But Durham was three of 12 from the floor. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple turnovers. So, and then Crosswell, he was great from the floor, 
but defensively it was kind of tough for him a little bit. He started getting going late in the game too, uh, yeah. when it was pretty much out of hand. So, you know, those were the two lone bright spots in the box score. I feel like both of them also contributed to this massive loss. So, like, yeah. you know, yeah. you look at it, I feel like no PC player really had a good, good game at all. No, I don't think there was a single one you could say stood out, um, which you wouldn't expect in a 32-point loss. I think the, the, um, we've, we've talked time and time again in our articles and podcasts how when one of Horkler or Reeves steps up from deep, it kind of opens up the entire offense. We saw the exact opposite. Uh, we saw the exact opposite last night. It's when neither of them are going. Well, Reeves wasn't playing, so theoretically he couldn't go. And Horkler was just invisible. When you don't have a threat from deep, they can just pack the paint, which they did. Um, and they tried to force us to beat them from the perimeter, and we, we couldn't. We couldn't get past their guards. We couldn't create on our own. Bynum and Breed had a couple times where they just tried to blow by their man and really couldn't do it. And it made life difficult for Watson and Croswell, more so uh, Watson because he was getting most of the touches, and Croswell's points were in garbage time. Um, when you don't have people who can threaten you from deep, you can just pack the paint in and say, okay, try and beat us. Uh, so we need, we need one of Horkler and or Reeves to get going from deep. And if they don't do that, then it's a pretty easy blueprint to stop us offensively. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with Horkler, he's kind of a guy that, that that's like goes off in his confidence, right? If he starts yeah. hitting some shots early, he's going to keep pulling the trigger. But when he doesn't hit shots, he seems more timid. Uh, and isn't going to shoot as much. I mean, he only took five attempts in this game. Uh, only one three-pointer as well. Um, yeah, I don't, so, I don't know if you – if you're – the blueprint for other teams is, hey, don't, you know, don't give him any space from the – beyond the arc and make him beat you off the dribble because I don't necessarily know if you can do that. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's possible. I mean, if you, if you look at – You'll get Virginia, you'll get Marquette. The way they the way they beat us is, you know, trying to force it in the paint. And with Marquette, you know, they have, or I'm sorry, with Virginia, they have the pack line defense. And then as soon as as soon as Watson touched, I mean, we were there in person. As soon as Watson touched the ball, they swarmed two or three people to him and made him kick it out and tried to make others um, beat beat up beat them from deep. And we couldn't do it and couldn't do it last night. So uh, if I am playing the Friars moving forward, it's I think you have a pretty easy blueprint on how to stop us. And we need folks to step up. Like Reeves might be out for two weeks, uh, a couple games, you know. Um, we need we need Breed. We need Godin. We need even like Bynum and Durham to start knocking down shots from deep. Like we need folks to start being a threat. Because um, if not, it's like a really easy, like I said, it's an easy game plan to stop us. And that's a little bit concerning. But again, we go up against St. John's and we can – very 10 or 11 threes and all's good. So hopefully this is just an outlier. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like that's the way I have to look at it. And yeah, that's why I was like, burn the tape. Cause one, you have a veteran group. They know clearly what happened last night. They couldn't defend pick and roll. They, you know, let Marquette get into transition by turning the ball over. They didn't, they couldn't get into any flow or rhythm offensively because of it. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a bad night from the very first tip of the ball. Um, it, it was funny, like the pick and roll defense, 
Kulik has nine assists, and it's literally all off. Guys sagging off to get to him, and he just dumps it right off to the wide-open guy. And it was yeah. funny, like, late in the game – this game was a late tip for BOC, so once it was over, he went to bed, which I, I, I don't really blame him, I guess, uh, because there wasn't much I to told, watch. Re, re, really quick, really quick, I told myself if we can, at the start of the second half, because I hate the late tips, I'm an early morning person, I think as people know by this point, um, I told myself if we can get it to 15 with 10 minutes left, I'm going to stay up for the rest of the game. We couldn't even get – it was like 25. I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah it back. went to like – I think it went to 26 when you're like, nope, it's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. And you text in the group. Um, but there was one play and where finally, like, Crosswell just stays on his man. But uh, Durham comes off the screen, ends up getting back in front of Kolick. Kolick misses the shot. But then we gave him an offensive rebound. So I was like, oh, great. The one time we actually executed the pick-and-roll defense well, we gave up an offensive board. So it was just that kind of night. I mean, you had guys. This uh, this Jones guy in Marquette, just like Cam Cam Jones. Yeah, just does a spin move, making Bree just fall flat on his face, and then he does that into a three pointer. He drills yeah. it. Uh, this guy was four or five from deep, just kind of out of nowhere, just draining threes. Um, yeah, it, it was just nothing could go right for the Friars in that one. So that's why you yeah. burned it because yeah, like and you and like we're gonna get into this I think because you and I talked about about this. It's like people are jumping off the bandwagon. It's like listen, like we're not Baylor, we're not Gonzaga, like we're not we're not gonna go freaking thirty and two before getting into the tournament. Like the fact that we're I mean, if you asked us at the start of the season, hey, don't ask any questions. We're thirteen and two and ranked. Would you take that? 99.999% of people would say, absolutely, we'll take that start to the season. Um, so, listen, it was a horrendous game. Uh, I don't ever want to, you know, I want to burn that from my memory. Uh, but move on to the next game. And, like, if you can take care of most of your games at home and maybe steal one or two on the road, Providence still has a great chance to be in that, like, you know, the five to seven seed range, if not higher. So, all is still very well in Friartown, and like, don't jump off the bandwagon. It was a crappy performance. It's the second game on their, you know, four or five day road trip. Forget about it. Just move on, and hopefully, they come out and play with their hair on fire against St. John's. Yeah. So, I mean, not only did you have Providence fans jumping off the bandwagon as soon as something goes wrong, uh, but you had also you had plenty of UConn fans and uh-huh. Seton Hall fans rejoicing that we lost to Marquette, and it's just like. First of all, UConn fan, I find it adorable that UConn fans are doing this, man. Because, like, think about this. They come into the league, they think they're going to run shit. Well, guess what? That hasn't happened. And what's proof that that hasn't happened? That you guys have to be tweeting about PC losing to Marquette and how they're frauds, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, by the way, you guys beat Marquette by eight at Marquette, but they didn't have more sales. So does that not count? I'm confused. Confuse how this works because AJ Reeves also not out. You don't see the crier complaining about it. Uh, so have we, it's have just we, like have, unbelievable. Have you seen have you seen anybody complain about Reeves being out and how it wasn't fair? I've seen people say it in jest to make fun yes. of everything, but like like and also UConn fans, it's like remember how after the game they're like, God, you know, Providence is so obsessed with us. It's like kind of look in the mirror. We we've like nobody cares about UConn right now. Like we're focused on St. John's, we're moving ahead. 
we're taking it game by game. Like, stop, stop obsessing with us. I don't know. Yeah, they're, seriously. We'll, they're just an annoying. We'll cross that bridge uh, over MLK weekend when UConn pays a visit to Providence. But yeah, I mean, and then I guess last thing, I kind of want to get into this. You sounded like you didn't uh, before we started recording here, but Kolik, you were worried about him torching us. Now, I wouldn't say he torched us, but he did have nine assists. Uh, he did do a solid job. A few of them were very nice passes. I personally thought, you know, a lot of it was just horrendous defense and guys being wide open from our rotations. But, you know, PC could have gotten Colick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, his name was mentioned during the portal in the offseason. We end up getting out there. Um, now, you feel like we should still have Colick on this team regardless. Absolutely. I do. I, um, it's not a black, it's not a, you know, black and white thing. There's a gray area where we had an extra scholarship for him. It could have been Durham immediately starting this year, his eligibility starting. Then theoretically Kolek slides in after that and he'll play a bench role this year and then could have started next year. And because of the COVID year, he's technically a freshman this year. So he has after this year, three more years, um, it, you know, it's Monday morning quarterbacking. He's leading the Big East in assists, again, with it, leading a 9-6 and six team. But kid had PC, you know, season tickets growing up. He's from Rhode Island. I think it's a very easy sell, and I think we slow played him, and I think it's going to, going to come back and bite us. They already bit us this year, I guess. I guess the whole team kicked, kicked their butts. But uh, he's going to be a thorn in our side for the next couple of years, and I think we could have remedied that by – having him on our squad and recruiting him a bit harder. Yeah. So first off, when they showed, I don't know if you're still watching at this point, but they showed like clips of him playing in like Cumberland middle school and high school and stuff. And like, I don't know if this is true. Cause he, cause he didn't say he did some media availability for the local uh, Rhode Island stations. He didn't say this there that they played during uh, like halftime at the dunk. But when I saw that Cumberland Middle School jersey, I was like, oh, my God. This t- he definitely played at the dunk at halftime. And me and my friends definitely bet on one of their teams, like <laughs> degenerates. <laughs> so, so there's that. But, two, you know, I just – yes, I do think you're Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, but also, you know, we get Durham. So we have Durham. We have Bynum. Going into the year, we thought Bree would take a leap too. So those are three guys right there. And Kolick, he's coming off a 10 rookie of the year, right? At George Mason. Um, and to me, I just even even though we're the hometown team, we're telling him, okay, we can get a spot for you, but you're, you know, maybe you earn some time, but you know, we got our guards pretty much set this year. And then you have Marquette also in the Big East offering him a starting spot coming in. Like, oh, I think I think that's tough. I, I don't think it's as easy as, oh, okay, we could have, you know, offered him instead of Case, for example, and say, you know, he would have signed up for that. I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, that's we weren't obviously in the room room for those discussions, so we're all we're just uh, making assumptions here. Um, I would tend to think, though, a kid growing up in Rhode Island, 
and having season tickets to the Friars and one who had a lot of success in the A10. Well, I would say, okay, I'm a competitive person. I think I'm better than the folks on the roster. Let me give it a shot at my hometown school. But who the heck knows? Maybe one, we also don't know if Marquette guaranteed him a starting spot. But that's true. Uh, like, Shocker could have said, you can compete and maybe you'll get a starting spot. So we don't know that either. Um, I yeah, just look uh, at it like clearly the situation at Marquette lended him to playing more than the sure. situation at Brooklyn. Absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I, I will not disagree there. Um, I, I just think he's, <laughs> he's going to be a problem in the next couple of years. And uh, I think it could have been a problem that we could have remedied pretty easily. But again, all making assumptions, he could have said, thanks, but no thanks. I want to, you know, blaze my own path and not go back to school close to home. So who the heck knows? Yep. All right. Well, I, I think the only person happy, uh, well, despite UConn fans and, and like seeing all fans about last night's results was Ken Palm. Uh, oh. He was ready. He was ready to drop us as far as he possibly humanly could. And he drops us to 51, uh, 13 and two 51. Like these other schools, Oh, they can drop games. They drop like two spots. No biggie. But no, no, Providence loses on the road. Let's let's dock him eight spots. I, I didn't have him super high to begin with. Um, so here you go. He's probably rejoicing. Oh, yeah, I, I tweeted and I got a fair amount of likes. The only people that are happier than Marquette fans are like the national media and the writers yeah. and the pollsters because they're not, they, you know, whenever next Monday, whenever the AP polls come out, regardless of where they rank us, if they even do rank us, um, Obviously, contingent on how we do against St. John's. You can't really come. You can't really complain about pol- pollsters when you lose a game on the road by thirty-two. Like you, you just can't say anything. Um, so I think there's going to be some, a period of quiet as the hyenas, as your buddies at the theater like to say, as a as we lurk back into the shadows and wait to pounce for our next time. Oh, we'll pounce, all right, uh, and hopefully that comes Saturday. Providence taking on St. John's. Um, we will give you a preview for that. But first, let's have a quick word from our sponsors at Anchor. All right, welcome back to the Province Friar Podcast. All right, BFC, the last time a Friar team got their doors blown off to this degree was Florida game 2019-2020. Um they play it at Barclays. PC loses that one by 31 points. And what do they do from there? They beat Texas, and then they go 12-6 and six in the Big East. And then we all know what happens after that COVID game and ruined everything. Uh, so part of me is like, okay, you know what? Let's shake this one off. Let's do what we did last time. Because guess what? We had a veteran team that time too. Uh, and we do this time. So, you know, I'm whatever we, we got blown out. Now we host the Johnnies on Saturday. Um, PC looking to get back on track. St. John's interesting team. We're actually recording on uh on Wednesday night tonight. The Johnnies are on right now as we speak. They're up eight to six against the pole. Um, but this is the Johnnies first game since a loss against Pitt on December 18th. They lost by two. No champagne in that one due to COVID. And then the whole team got COVID and they missed a bunch of games. They had four Big East games rescheduled. So that's going to be a pain in the ass for them. But uh, 
Well, what are your initial thoughts about the Johnnies as they come in on Saturday? I think it's great to – well, one, I think they have the best player in the Big East in Champagny. Um, he does everything, you know, points, boards, defensively, steals and blocks, does a little bit of everything. I think probably one of the best players uh, in the Big East, if not the best player. Uh, they have a great guard in Posh Alexander, who's a pest defensively. He's coming into his own as a sophomore. Um, besides them, though, they don't have a lot of pieces. Besides those two, they don't have a lot of pieces around them. So I think, you know, not letting Champagny go off, uh, which he certainly can do. Um, I think Manaya will be keyed on keyed in on him, um, and not having a ton of careless turnovers like we did against Marquette. This team thrives on the opposing team having some careless turnovers, especially in transition. We need to take care of the ball and make sure somebody besides Champagny tries to beat us. You know, may, if if St. John's is going to beat us, we have to be content with letting the four others beat us, not Champagny. Um, but if we take care of the ball and you know don't play terribly and throw up on ourselves. I think we have a good shot of winning this one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would say it's interesting going into this year. I might've made the same mistake that I made last year. I thought the Johnny's were the second best team, the big East with Champagne and, and, uh, and um, Jesus posh Alexander. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that last year too, with with Providence, with Watson and Duke, and it looked like that early. But we all know how that story turned out. Uh, yeah. St. John's could be set on a similar path here. Um, so far this year, they don't have any eye popping wins. They don't have any eye popping losses. But um, you know, and why? I, sh- I should correct myself. The pit loss is certainly. Pit. Hey, I was going to say yeah, pit. Pit's yeah. Bad. yeah. Uh, pit's like five and eight or something like that right now. So um, they have the pit loss and they have really no big wins to show for it. Other than that, uh, they played Kansas. That was a big opportunity for them. They lost by 20. Um, lost a tight one at IU. Um, so really don't know what to make of them because one, they haven't played in almost a month. And uh, yeah, like we said, you look at the schedule, haven't been anyone of, of importance and they lost pretty much all their, I mean, they lost every single game against a, a major program. So <laughs> interesting to see with the Johnnies, obviously Posh and Champagne are a problem. Um, Posh Alexander, Biggest freshman of the year, as well as co-defensive player of the year with Whaley last season, making him only the the fourth player in Biggie's history to accomplish that feat. The others were Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing, and Alonzo Mourning. So pretty rare, rarefied air for Posh Alexander. Yeah, I mean, the Giants are playing Champagne at the three now. Last year he was he was playing the four, sometimes even the five. And I think that really hurt them because his interior defense is not great. Um, mm-hmm. He's an athletic guy, but like he got destroyed. Like in the games against Providence, Watson had 49 points, or excuse me, 30, no, 49 points in two games. So I, I think he went for like 30 and one and then 19 and another. So, mm-hmm. you know, Watson was really able to expose him last year. But now they move him to three, definitely more of his position, definitely where NBA scouts want him to be, right? 
So he's probably buying into that. And it's actually, I would think that helps them. Um, but, you know, they bring in, they bring in Joel Soriano, a transfer who sat out last year. To me, I don't think he's really the answer for them. Uh, yeah. I don't see – he does average a block, 1.9 blocks per game. He's 6'11". I'm looking at him right now. He just got subbed out. I think he's in foul trouble. Uh, but uh, I don't think he's really the answer in terms of their interior defense. So if I'm Providence – I try and attack with Watson again. I, I know he didn't have a great game against Marquette, but I, I think Marquette has more length than St. John's. St. John's doesn't really have that Kirk, uh, Kirk guy on Marquette who's long, can block a ton of shots. Uh, are you laughing how I pronounce Kirk No, I'm, la- I'm thinking about how he had seven blocks last night and how – we couldn't do anything against him, who I've never heard of prior to. Yeah, obviously not going to blame the Zebras in a 32-point loss, but some of those blocks, they uh, kind of just missed. Justin Lewis is hacking away as Kirk, Kirk Weth was coming up top, blocking it. He's grabbing arms, and they didn't want to call him. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't think uh, the Johnnies have the interior de- defense to play PC in the half court, and that's to what you're saying. That's what PC wants to do, right? Slow the game down, play in the half court. Um, To me, you know, you can let Posh get going offensively, but don't let him get going from his defense. Don't let him get turnovers that lead to transition buckets for the Johnnies. Like, that's the most important thing. Again, you can limit your turnovers. They should be able to beat the St. John's team, especially at home. Um, Yeah, I think think the good thing is – you know, everybody's back from the holidays and everybody's getting back into the swing of things with work and everything. It's a Saturday at noon. I think it'll be, be a really good crowd. Um, so hopefully the crowd is influential. I think it will be. Um, and we just need to play our game. And the thing that we've done against St. John's and we need to stop doing this, like even when we build up a lead, we can't get into track meets with them. Like we had, we've, we've done a few times where like we'll get like an eight or 10 point lead and we'll just start to push the pace with them and play their game. And that's when we just fall apart. Then, like, they go on, like, seven or eight or runs, and we end up losing by 10. Like, just keep – you can't – you'll lose very quickly if you enter a trap meet with them. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Mike Anderson's a guy that's given Cooley fits in the past. Uh, if you yep. remember his last year at Arkansas, we faced him in the opening round at NIT, gets a win there. Uh, in his first year at the helm at St. John's, um, which I believe was 1920 – um, PC splits with them, and then last year Johnny swept them. So Mike Anderson now four in one against Cooley. We're starting to get into Danny Hurley, Ed Cooley, Gimp, uh, D- Danny Zed's Gimp territory here with with Mike Anderson, which I do not want to see. No, you know, no, see. We I do, do not want to see that. Uh, so Cooley's got Cooley and the staff has got to figure out a game plan that can not lend itself to Johnny's doing what they want to do in controlling tempo and all that stuff. Uh, They got to figure it out. And definitely, you know, we'll have a preview article out for it, but uh, I know last episode I said, I was probably leaning Mark as a province, but I am worried. And then I ended up flipping and going Marquette. I think I'm going to lean province and stick with province this game. But once again, Mike Anderson scares me. And, man, if you lose this one, 
Yeah, I think because we're we're also, coming into, we're coming into a gauntlet after after the St. John's game. We really do need this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because like you look at the schedule. Let me just pull it up quickly. Uh, after this game at Creighton. So we're talking about a stretch of three games in seven days, or actually, if you think about it, four games in nine days. Yep. So they'll go at Creighton, home against UConn, rematch, uh, at Seton Hall, rematch game. You know, both UConn and Seton Hall are going to play with a little extra motivation this one as they felt like they were robbed due to injury. Oh, God forbid. And due to COVID. Oh, oh no. Um, so, th- I mean, those are undoubtedly going to be tough games, all three of those. And then on yep. top of that, you got the Georgetown rescheduled game at the dunk on – actually, I don't even know if it's going to be at the dunk or not, but on the 20th, so two days after the C&O game. So that's – again, that's four games in nine days. That's That's a rough stretch. And you're looking at a team that – you could kind of tell they were a little exhausted from a two-game trip where they had to stay out uh, in the Midwest for a few days. So it's an important game, man, and and that does worry me. But I do think the home crowd, I do think it will be good. BOC making the trip from Jersey to the game. He'll be there. He'll have boots on the ground. I am most likely going to be there. Going to be there. I am a little worried. I, I just don't want to catch the, the Omicron. Uh, I might come in a bubble. You, you can just roll me around the streets. Of bubble, yeah, yeah, bubble boy. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you onto the court if I get mad about a call. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll tell everybody because we want to obviously catch up with folks. We'll tell everybody where we're going to be uh, on Friday or so. We'll tweet something out and then we'll have some beers, catch up on Friar basketball and connect with folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be – I mean, I would think we're going to at least make a stop at Trinity at some point. Um, I don't know what the exact plans are, but I got my mug there. So, yeah, I think, I think I'm thinking um, I'm thinking Murphy's pregame and then Trinity Trinity postgame. OK. Also, yeah. aren't we going to the den at some point? Yeah, we're, hit, we're, hit, we're in Federal Hill uh, early, early, early evening dinner. Yeah, I can't miss this. No, nah, no. Nah, but uh, but yeah, we'll be there. We'll have a ton of stuff out. Um, once again, follow along in the blog, provincecrier.com. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at provincecrier. He's at BOC all day. Um, yeah, and, and we'll have more for you. Any shout outs to, to close out this episode, BOC? I got, I got keep, some. Keep the faith. That's all I have to say. Keep the faith. You know, we were going to have a bad game. It happened. Keep the faith and uh, cool. We'll study the ship. Yeah, um, I'm going to give us our, our Vance Morgan update here. He's left Twitter, and we are 0-1. Um, I, I saw some people tweet about it that, you know, maybe we need him back. Uh, so, Vance, if you're listening, if we lose this next one, I, I think you have to come back and fight the good fight, Vance. Uh, you know, I don't know what your issues may be with Twitter. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of reasons. <laughs> I can probably imagine what, what your reasons are. But – uh, if we drop this one, we may need you to, to reactivate that account and come the state, back. This, the state of the program is in your hands. <laughs> so, yeah, so th- th- that was just the one shout out I had. All right, that does it for this episode of the Province Crier Podcast. Have a good one, Friday time. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke, when I'm way up on the